Good evening. Today is August 9th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is How It Works, and our speaker is Anna. Thank you, Anna. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just want to say that I'm grateful to be here. I grateful, I'm grateful to listen to the word gender neutral, to the words. Um, I really appreciate it. I've never been in a meeting who that says this, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um yes, it's according to the times and it's very required, and I am grateful for that. Um well I I I usually write since you can tell English is not my first language and I usually write everything I say. And now I use a different techniques with my, my cards here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask my higher power to help me and to do it um, thoroughly and, and to reach out to your hearts, which is my intention when sharing my story. So why I chose how it works, uh, when Meredith asked me if I wanted to be a speaker, I chose this chapter and then when I reread it, I was like, why did you do that to yourself? It has so much, <laughs> it has so much, but yes, here I am. Um, I wanna start saying that I have always been a compulsive overeater since I was a kid. I have always been overweight. I've been restricting. I've been overexercising. I've been, I have tried everything until I came to these rooms. I thank God I have had the same body weight since um, October 2020. And I, that is a miracle. I used to be always up and down, up and down, yo-yo dieting. And yeah, since October, 2020, I use the same clothes and I just can't believe it. Um, but that's just one of the promises or it's not even a promise. It's just a consequences of doing the work. Um, so that's me. I also wanna warn people that I am going to speak about sexual abuse. I'm going to speak about some violence I experienced when I was a child. I'm going to speak about people who are in the autism spectrum. And I think that's it. Um, so the, the chapter, how it works, starts saying that this program rarely fails if we follow thoroughly our path and that's the top of page 58 and that's how it starts and i want to stop i want to stop here because it says rarely fails if we follow thoroughly and in the next page on, on page 59 it says half measures avail us nothing and i think we all know this um I don't know if you are new in the program. I don't know where you are in the steps, but I can tell you that if you follow this thoroughly, 
And if you follow the instructions as they are in this book, the promises will come true. And the promises are not that we are going to be happily ever after. The promises are to me that no matter what happens, I can take it at peace, in abstinence, in God's presence, and enjoying beauty even in the middle of the turmoil. That's what the promises mean to me. I have to tell you also that I'm a single mom. I have three kids. My middle son is in the autism spectrum. And my brother, who is 44, he's my younger brother. He's also in the autism spectrum. So I've been, I, I've been all my life with neurodiverse people. And I'm very grateful for that too. Um, so we can tell I don't have an easy life. I'm a migrant. I'm the breadwinner. I have three kids. And my son with autism, when he has an outburst, he hits me. He hits me hard. He has hit me publicly. And I don't react. Um, so I'm not saying that after finishing the steps and feeling several spiritual awakenings, shit doesn't happen because shit happens. But I haven't overeaten. I haven't lost God. God always comes to the rescue. I don't know how, but somehow my higher power always shows up. And I have found beauty even at those moments. I can tell you also that a couple of months ago, I thought I wasn't going to get my working visa renewed and I was going to travel home with my kids again. And it was kind of like very messy. And I felt like my world was falling apart. And suddenly things work out. And I do believe in miracles. There is no other way. And I started to believe in miracles when I recovered and when I stop losing and winning weight constantly. And when I stop building up resentments and feeling self-pity, feeling that I was the victim at all times. And this is how it works. This is a chapter, the core of this chapter is around full honesty, working thoroughly the program, working on resentments, fears, and sex. So this is this chapter. And that's why I say half measures avail us nothing. And we have heard this in the rooms so many times, but it is the truth. And I'm going to start saying that the chapter starts with to have the capacity to be honest. And in, in, it's the middle, the second paragraph or the, the end of the first paragraph in page 58. Why does it start like this? 
And I think it starts like this because as addicts, we lie to ourselves and we lie to people. We hide to eat. Um, when we are in the disease, we don't even want to recognize to ourselves that we are sick. We don't want to recognize to ourselves how fulfilled we are with self-pity and victimhood. We don't want to see it. We just want to see what people did to us. And then we go to the kitchen and stuff ourselves. Um, and that's what I did. I, the second time I came to, the first time I came to program is, it was early 2001. And I stayed for one year and then I left and I didn't come back until uh, August 2019. There were many, many, many years in between. And I wasn't losing the weight. The first time I was young, and I quit flour and sugar, and that was enough. When I came back, I thought, I know the drill. I will just quit sugar and flour, and that'll be fine. It wasn't fine. I didn't lose the weight. I was in my 40s. It didn't work. I was scared. What's going on? And what kept me in the rooms was the fear that this time I wasn't losing weight. It wasn't the spiritual work. It wasn't that I wanted to work the steps. It wasn't that I was looking for a sponsor. It was that I wasn't losing the weight anymore because I, I was playing God. Um, I had lied to my sponsors. I sent them my food and then I ate what I wanted. So there was no honesty and there was no possible recovery for me there. I wanted to do my will and I didn't have a higher power. I was my higher power. So then it says, we need, it, it says, we beg you to be fearless and thorough. Fearless and thorough. What does that mean? When I read it this time, when I was preparing, I thought, If I weren't able to feel all my emotions, I wouldn't recover. I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever found out that behind my food addiction, there was codependency. There were so many layers of surrender I had to go through. But if I continue eating or if I wasn't fearless, I wouldn't have found all the things that I have found now. I had to be fearless and thorough. And fearless means feeling all our emotions. And that's why we're going to speak about fear. Fearless means no matter what you're going to see when you write this fourth step, take it and accept it. And it's going to be pain, painful, but take it. And it says, if we don't do this, if we try to hold our old ideas, the result was nil. We need to absolutely let go. Yes. Yes. We need to absolutely let go. 
And I want to stop here a bit because we, I, I want to say that I went back home. I am from Mexico City. I had to, as I said, I had to go there and to renew my visa and my working papers. And I, I worked the steps several times. I haven't been home in two years and a half. And I thought, I will start a new relationship with my mom. I will come and see her. And I have made amends. I have asked for her forgiveness. So this new me will see my mom with different eyes and we will have a beautiful relationship. Guess what? We didn't. <laughs> I arrived home and I was like with all these expectations, which I shouldn't have. So I went there and I and I saw my old mom with her old things. And I thought that with my new behavior and with my spiritual work, things were going to be different. And they were different because I could take what she was saying without going to the kitchen. I could take what she was saying and making an outreach call. I could take what she was saying and calling my sponsor and asking for help. But it, it did affect me. My new me showed me that I still had many lessons to learn, that I still have lots of work ahead, but I could still love her. And I could still see the beauty in my relationship with her. And I could keep trying. I, I want to keep trying. And I told her, I want to keep trying. I failed in this and this. I, I think I was making amends to her like almost every day. And I was trying to do better. But sometimes it requires some distance. And it requires acceptance that things are not going to be perfect. That I have recovery, but she doesn't. She still has her old same behaviors. And as the resentment prayer says, she's a sick person and she's doing her best. And this is what the chapter says. When we see that people are sometimes sick and they don't know to, how to do it better, they are doing their best, right? And my mom is doing her best. I saw her. She's devoted to me, to my kids. But she likes to gossip. She likes passive aggressive. Yes, that's her. But she's also very loving and caring. And she cooks like better than anyone else I ever known in the best restaurant in the world. So what happens? If, if I go back to page 59, it goes and says, half measures available nothing. And then it goes through the steps. You have five minutes left. No. Okay. You know, like I have five pages. Okay. I'm going to stop here. Um, five minutes. I'm going to speak about resentment, fear, and sex only. About resentments. Resentments are our worst enemy. Why? Because, as, because we are the victims. When people do something to us, 
we don't take responsibility. When people are doing something to us, we are not able to be free. We are not able to move on. We don't have agency. With fear happens this, the same, but with fear is we lose agency. With resentments, we are victims. What are the three parts the chapter says that are components of resentments? Self-seeking, dishonesty. Let me see where I grow that. Self-seeking, selfishness, delusion, self-pity. What was my delusion? That my relationship with my mom was going to be ideal. That my son is going to stop hitting me and he's going to become someone who will express his emotions in a different way. That's delusion. I'm setting up myself to be in pain, constantly in pain because I'm the victim. Where is the self-seeking? I want my mom to be different. I want her to love me. I want her to see my growth. Haven't you seen how much I changed? Haven't I asked you for forgiveness so many times? What's wrong with you? Because I'm seeking for love in a wrong way. Where is the self-pity? Oh, I'm a victim of sexual abuse. I'm a victim of sexual assault. I'm a victim. How can I fix my sex relationships if this happened to me? This is part of my victimhood. What is the problem with my victimhood? That I lose agency. I can do nothing. I'm, I'm waiting for, it's so passive. The same as fear is passive. You are waiting for people to change in order to be happy. And then you are waiting and waiting and waiting. Why do we have to let go of resentments and fears? Because we need to move on. If we want to recover, we need to be free from this. If we want to recover, we need to quit playing God because playing the victim or expecting others to change, it's because we want to control. We want everything to do as we say, and this is playing God. When I said I had to go through different layers of surrender is because it was not only surrendering the food, but surrendering the ideas I had of my relationship with my mom, the expectations I have to build a relationship with my son, the expectations of, I have of success, of fitting in this culture, of fitting that I belong. And I got to the victimhood or I got to the fear. I will always be a migrant. Nobody loves me. I have no friends in this country. Instead of that, we need to, the only way to be free is to let God control. And the inventory needs to be thorough in full honesty because we need to be able to feel the pain and the feelings and to express them with the depth and weight they have because if we fear facing them, we are not going to be free. If I, I, if I feel the fear 
of not having a normal child, if I fear the feel of being a migrant, if I feel if I have the fear of if I feel sick, that's a different feeling, a physical feeling. I need to be able to discern the different feelings and to put every feeling, its, its weight, its measure, its proportion. I cannot overreact. Where is this coming from? Where is this going? God, what do you want me to do this? If I'm able to discern and to give every emotion its weight, accepting it and asking God, what would God have me be? Then I can move on. God will give me the agency and will show me what's the next right thing to do. If I stay in the resentment and the fear, as I said, I lose the agency. I have no, I'm powerless. The power that God gives me to move on, it's gone because I'm not reaching out to my higher power. I am feeling that I'm the higher power. It's a delusion that I have control. When I want to control the outcomes and not accepting life on life terms, I am playing God. And then there is no freedom. And it says also here in this chapter. That's 20 minutes. Okay, thank you. It says somewhere that we need to let go our ego. We need to let go completely our ego. Why? Because that's the interference to God. We are not aligned with God if we are taking decisions and we are not letting him. We want to impose our will. We're not letting him show us the way. Some things many times haven't worked as I wanted or as I planned. Thank God. Thank God. Because when I see why they didn't work, I feel so grateful that I, I didn't get it my way. Thank God. It would have been a mess. But I don't want to let him. It gives me a sense of control, trying to predict, overthinking different scenarios, fatalistic scenarios, because I don't, I don't project beautiful futures, right? I want to project the worst ones because if I prepare when they come, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to take them. Instead of being grateful, I forget that I have a body. I forget that my heart is beating. I'm so self-absorbed that I'm forgetting that I can see that my kids constantly come to me to hug me that I have the stars, that I have an owl outside my window, that I have flowers. I forget that I'm connected to everyone, to every living being. When I go back to that, when I go back to that, I let God manifest. And I can see beauty everywhere. I started saying that because I can, even in the middle of the turmoil. I can see beauty and we can, we can, we can see our hands that are moving. We can see that we are talking, that we are connecting, 
that everywhere in this world, there is a group and there is a meeting taking place and people are working to become better human beings, to have a spiritual life. They have chosen a difficult path because they think this world is going to be a better place. And that gives me a lot of hope. Every meeting that happens, it's that coffee that Dr. Bob and Bill have. And God was there with them as it is now with us. And when I think of those moments or when I'm thinking with, when I'm talking to my sponsee, I'm so grateful. And I forget that I have everything I need. I forget that I'm safe. I feel sometimes so unsafe and trapped. And this is when I'm losing my connection. If I go back to my feet, to review my fears and my resentments, I am so ordinary that I am, you, I repeat every time the same, like my sponsor says, like this was two years ago. When are we going to get done? It's the truth. I, I repeat over and over the same fears. When I'm going to be done with this? When I move to gratitude. When I decide to connect. When I decide to be present. When I decide, it's a decision. I just want, I just decide to choose to see beauty or to see horror. Where do I want to be? With God or with my ego? playing horrible scenarios in my head. And I think that's my time. I'm sorry. I think this technique didn't work. Next time I will go back to writing everything. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Anna, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with this chapter. It, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's not a one and done. That's all I can say. Thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares, as this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and I will call the raised hands in the order that I see them, and you'll be asked to unmute. So would the timekeeper please set a three timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speakers ask a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, our first hand up is Chanel. Go ahead, Chanel. Thank you, Sally. Anna, wow, I haven't heard you share before, and I can't wait to hear that again on the podcast. I'm so grateful that we do a podcast on this meeting. Um, I'm sending my sponsees there for sure. I'm sending my sponsees to hear you. So many things I could just unpack and ask you questions all day, all evening. But um, something I want to tell you I really appreciate is that you're talking about recovery and you're not talking about it being perfect life. Sometimes when I hear people, not here, just, you know, in general, talking about their recovery, and maybe I'm guilty of this too, it sounds like it's all sunshine and rainbows, and it's not. We're living life on life's terms, and sometimes it sucks, 
But what's great is I don't turn to the food anymore. I don't have to go into not being able to feel my feelings and not knowing what to do about feeling them anymore. Um, and then when I don't know, I, I can really go to my higher power about it, right? We can go to our higher power because I'm not blocked by my food and food behaviors. And I also want to really thank you the way that you talked about a sexual trauma past without saying any triggering details. I appreciate that. But also just that, you know, do I want to stay a victim? Do I want to continue being a victim? Because the longer I hold on to these resentments and fears, the longer I'm in my victimhood. And I, I really appreciate you for that. And just a whole share. Thank you so much on all pass. Thank you, Chanel. Okay, we have Lynn S. Hi, everybody. Lynn S., Compulsible Reader in Toronto, Canada. Anna, thank you so much. Um, this is this is going to be many phone calls from me to you saying what did you mean when you said this and and what was this again i heard things i swear i've never heard before and I, i'm just going to recount three of them as addicts we lie to ourselves we don't want to recognize we're sick and full of self-pity i've i've been in program 34 years i've read how it works a hundred bazillion gazillion times and when we're talking about honesty I've never heard it expressed that way before. And that's that's so true. Like my mom used to say to me when I was a kid, you lie like a rug. And I thought, I wonder what I'm doing that she would even make that comment. Well, I couldn't figure anything out because I was so busy even lying to me that everything that came out of my mouth was a lie because I I had no idea which end was up. And fearless, feeling all our emotions. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it took me a long time. I can remember coming into OA. One of the things they handed us was a sheet of paper and it said happy. And on the other side was sad. And it said um, resentful. And maybe on the other side was content because I had no idea what I was feeling. So I had to look at the paper and say, well, I guess if I was happy, then I wasn't sad today or I wasn't angry because I didn't know. All I knew was everything hurt so much I couldn't stand it. Even the good stuff, it was too much for me. And then resentments are our worst enemies. When people do something to us, we are the victims and we stay stuck in this self-seeking delusion and selfishness. And we're waiting, waiting, waiting. We could wait forever for others to change. I just, I'm gobsmacked. Everything you said is making me think it's a whole new way. And I love that to hear somebody speak and give me a brand new perspective. So thank you very much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Dana O. Um, hi, Dana O, recovering um, compulsive overeater. Um, that was an amazing share. And um, I must say that um, I have always prided myself in not being passive. If anything, I can be too aggressive. But um, you're, I think the last person already said this, but this idea that um, resentments are waiting for people to change, that that's passive. Um, waiting, you're waiting for yourself to be happy. You know, you're waiting to be happy. 
I think frame reframing it like that really shows the way in which it is a very passive behavior and that it gives us back the power um, or it gives us back the knowledge that we've given our agency away. Um, and I just, I think that's a really powerful concept that um, is a motivating concept for me. Um, the other thing you said that I was really struck, well, there were a lot of things, but you said, if I can give what emotions are proper weight, I can move on. And I believe that that's kind of the same idea that, you know, by having these delusions, we're overweighing and underweighing and we can't see reality. And if we can't see reality, then we can't change, um, or at least change in, res in response to reality. So thank you so much. I think you are like a little, like a, a wise little nymph or something. <laughs> I thought it must be because you come from a culture that's very spiritual or something. There's just something about you that you're just, you're just spreading the word in a way that is really fresh and profound. And um, thank you so much. Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you, Dana. Meredith? There you go. Thanks. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Nashville, Tennessee. Anna, thank you so much for being here. Um, a couple of things that you that you reminded me um, when you said you're talking about your mother and you said, I have recovery, but she doesn't. And um, I came to this that realization. I don't know, somewhere along the way, I'm not exactly sure during the steps that, you know, part of the thing that was keeping me um, like a, a barrier between me and my sisters was that we, we share childhood trauma, but nobody in my family is in recovery but me. And consequently, they don't want to talk about it. Um, they'd rather pretend that it didn't happen. I, I mean, that's what I think. Um, but before working the steps, I just thought, well, are we going to sit here and lie to each other? Why aren't you saying? Why aren't you saying the thing that happened? Why aren't you admitting it? And it just, it hit me. Um, you know, in a meeting one day when somebody said almost the same thing, her sister, she and her sister just were not in the same place. And that's what's just so great about this fellowship, just seeing all the facets of it. We all have so much in common, um, even though we're so wildly different than one another. Um, it's such a relief to really learn how to live and let live, you know, that's, and then that became part of my amends to them to just let them be who they want to be. And we have been, our relationships are restored today after, after my amends. And it's, uh, you know, just another miracle. Um, 
I don't know how much time I have, but when you talked about fitting into the culture and the fear around that, I just thought about, again, about this fellowship and how beautiful it is that everybody has a place here. So um, thank you again for being here. It's lovely. I'll pass. Thank you, Meredith. Leslie? Hi, family. <clears throat> Leslie G. Recovered only by the good grace of God today. Um, I didn't get to hear it all, um, Anna, but oh my God, what I heard was like phenomenal. It, it just, I cannot thank you enough. And um, it's, it's like sometimes you could just hear something over and over and over again. And finally, it clicks. And it's like, you said two things. Well, you said many things, but one as far as, oh my gosh, I keep, I keep trying to have people change. And it's like, how insane is that? And that everything is between me and whom I choose to call God today. You know, we have our feelings. Am I making too big of a deal of it? Am I not? Give it to him. Do a fear inventory. Let him tell me how to be. Stop playing God, Goldstein. Oh, you're not supposed to call yourself. I call myself by my last name. Stop playing God. I play God all the time. But what I love is someone told me that a resentment is because you're not accepting what the outcome is. You still want that outcome to be different. And it's just like it finally dawned on me. They're not going to change. And I'm the one unhappy. And that's what I thank you for. It's just victim versus fear because it's totally up to me. And then you went, the last thing you went, you went into about the gratitude because when we live in gratitude, we live in freedom and you're out of self-pity. So thank you so much. I, I'm just, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. We're now going to stop the recording for unrecorded shares.